0: This is Case Closed, one hour of mystery every Wednesday on RelicRadio.com. This week's hour begins with the new adventures of Nero Wolfe. We'll hear Stamped for Murder from October 20th, 1950. After that, it's Tales of the Texas Rangers and Blood Harvest. That story aired January 21st, 1951.
1: Stay tuned for Nero Wolfe. If the chimes shudder a little on Sunday afternoon, well, they know there's mystery in store Sunday with men of action like Mike Waring, better known as the Falcon, who brings his fearless and romantic touch to the solution of another mystery. After the Falcon, it's high adventure. Then the big guy steps in. The new private eye, Charlie Wilde, concludes with a few casual homicides. The chimes mean mystery and action this Sunday afternoon on NBC. Transcribed. My
2: boss is the smartest and the stubbornest the fattest and the laziest, the cleverest and the craziest, the most extravagant detective in the world, Nero Wolf.
1: It's the adventure of Stamped for Murder, with that brilliant, eccentric, private detective, orchid fancier and gargantuan gourmet, Nero Wolf. Starring
3: Sydney
4: Green Street. Instructions for this morning, Archie. Your notebook, please. First, Mr. Salinsbach. Inform him that the Long Island peafowl he sent were most unsatisfactory. Peafowl's breast flesh is not sweet and tender unless it is well protected from all alarms, especially from the air, to prevent nervousness. Long Island is full of airplanes. Look, Mr.
2: Wolf. I, I shall uh...
4: want a dozen chickens that have been raised on bluebirds and a fresh-killed lamb for tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Wolf, please listen. There's. Uh... Mr. Goodwin, be quiet, and then dinner on the following day becomes a problem. Mr. Wolf, dinner any day is going to be a problem if we
2: don't pay Sausenbach's bill. Then pay it. With what? The bank account's empty.
4: Ridiculous. There were $4,000 yesterday. But
2: you bought that shipment of orchid bulbs from Wine Old Gluckner. Mr. Wolf, we need money. You've got to stop
4: eating and drinking beer long enough to
2: earn some. Phew! Sure. You're an alarmist. Will you, for the love of heaven, stop turning down clients and turn an honest dollar? I've got a couple of prospects right outside the door. Send
4: them away. No, sir. Send them away. Tell
2: them i have gone to Egypt. Nothing doing, sir.
4: Confound you, Archie! Bay order. Send them away.
2: Miss Kent, Mr. Rodman, come in please.
4: Oh, Thank you. Confound you, Archie! You're mutinous. Yes, sir, and you're stuck with it.
2: This is Miss Gloria Kent and Mr. Rodman. They arrived as advertised with a pressing problem.
4: Good morning. You people are here by sufferance only. I shall speak to Mr. Goodman about it later. Yes, indeed. I don't like pressing problems, Miss Kent. What are yours? My father. Indeed, I'm on in a court of domestic relations, Miss Kent. What did your father do? Beat you? Hold your earnings? Discourage your suitors? Mr. Goodwin should have informed you this office does not undertake cases involving marital or family problems. But
5: that's not... There. If
4: Mr. Goodwin had not been beguiled by your pretty face, he might have warned you and avoided this embarrassment to you and annoyance to me. Now,
2: now, 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 take it easy, take it easy. How many times have I told you you don't know how to handle women? Then
4: suppose you let Miss Kent handle me.
5: Well, it's simply this, Mr. Wolf. I had some money my mother left me. My father's just spent it without my permission. I want it back without a scandal.
4: Thanks, Miss Kent. How much? How spent?
5: $10,000. Father bought a treasure map.
4: Indeed? From whom?
5: A pair of swindlers named Cross and Halleck. They've driven him crazy, talking about fortunes salvaged from the SS this and the SS that. He, he's got a map and old letters he studies. He, he's childish.
4: Many fortunes have been recovered. Many more await on the sea bottom. How do you know your father has been duped? Well, I know... You do, Mr. Rodman. Yes. Cross and Halleck bought some old letters for me, written by my grandfather from Hawaii.
6: They used them to manufacture the map and evidence. And that's what they sold to Kent. Father thought
5: he was being so clever. He had the paper analyzed. Of course, the document research laboratory said the letters were genuine. They were. But something new had been added. I'd have never known if Mr. Rodman hadn't told me.
4: You're a party to the swindle, Mr. Rodman. I was not. I never knew what they were up to.
5: Mr. Wolfe, you've got to help me. I can't do anything with father. I can't convince him. Even Mr. Rodman can't.
4: Do... No, Miss Kent, I'm sorry. This is not for me.
5: But you must.
4: You must I... Not in my office, madam. No tears. Please, please, Archie, stop her. Okay, okay, okay. Archie, when Miss Kent has finished her disgraceful exhibition, show them out. How dare you walk out on us, Easy, easy,
2: easy. I know him. I know him. You don't. He gets into a panic when women cry, or else he's curious about what Fritz is cooking for lunch. Now, just uh, wait a minute, please. Oh, aren't you ashamed of yourself walking out like that on that poor kid?
4: That hysterical, Gamma. <laughs> She's lost all of her
2: money. She needs help. I charge high fees, Archie. So charge a small fee. Do you want her to starve? Good heavens. Tom, how monstrous. I'm not kidding. While you'll be in here smelling your dinner, she and her father will be starving.
4: I thought you were bringing me a paying client. Well, this is different. She's. Uh, you beautiful. She's... Archie, you're impossible. Oh, very well. Go back into them. Get names, addresses, facts. I am not committed to Miss Kent's case, but we'll see. The tribute I paid to your weakness for a pretty face.
3: <laughs>
2: Rodman and Gloria Kent were gone, however. So all I had were the few facts they'd given me before they met Wolf. I felt guilty about that when he came back into the office and sat down in his specially built chair. He closed his eyes, and I glared at him. Well, how much of you is awake? Mr. Wolf. <sighs> well, they disappeared. Did you tell me you were going to help this girl just to get her out of the office, or did you mean it? You're a gadfly. No, sir. No, sir. You made a promise and you're stuck with it. What did you get from Rodman? Name, address, occupation. He's a librarian, that's all.
4: Very careless, Archie. You missed a significant point. Such as... uh... How did Rodman discover the letters he sold were being altered by forgery? And used for swindle? How did he locate the Duke, Mr. Kent?
2: Uh, I guess you're right. I'll ask him next time.
4: But uh, what about now? Are you going to get Gloria's money back? I assume you call Miss Kent Gloria solely in order to annoy me. It does. Stop it. Get Cross and Halleck. On my way. You'll find them at the Hotel Bogard. <laughs> Wrong, sir. According to my notes, their address is... Never mind their address. The Hotel Bogard is the headquarters for successful confidence tricksters. They celebrate their victories there while the money lasts. You will possibly find Cross and Halleck drinking whiskey or lunching... Probably both.
2: I located Cross and Halleck in the hotel bar and lured them back to our place on 35th Street. Wolf was sitting behind his desk with his hands crossed on his impressive middle at peace with his lunch and the world when I ushered them in. He sat bolt upright and scorched me with a look. Good afternoon, Mr. Wolf. The tall one's name is Cross, the short one is Halleck. They uh, want to help me invest my money. Gentlemen, Mr. Nero Wolf. Uh, what? Who? Nero Wolf. Hey,
4: what is this? Uh,
2: found uh, you,
4: Archie. How drunk are they?
2: Not too drunk for business.
7: Let's get out of here. Come on. Wait a dirty, minute. Up
4: you want me to keep him here, Mr. Wolf? Not by violence, Archie. Come back here, gentlemen. Unless you want seven years in the state penitentiary. Well, You've got nothing on us, Wolf. Nothing. I have the Kent case. The Kent
7: That's a laugh. We're sitting pretty, sitting
4: pretty. You are not, sir. You imagine you possess legal immunity. Mr. Kent believes you are grotesque balderdash and will not sue for fraud. Miss Kent cannot sue because she is reluctant to accuse her father of wrongfully obtaining her money. Ergo, you think you are invulnerable. Now, listen. But you forget me. I'm a detective with a fee to earn. A big fee. Quiet, Archie. I am determined to get that fee. Therefore, as Miss Kent's agent, I can and will bring action against you. I'm indifferent to her tears or her father's disgrace. I'm indifferent to anything outside of money. You will return the $10,000 to me at once, sir, or you will be in jail by morning.
7: You mean that?
4: I do, Mr. Cross.
7: Alex, come
4: here. Come on, hurry. Uh,
7: okay. Here, Mr. Wolfe. Alec and I have decided we don't want to get in any trouble with you. Here's your ten grand. Uh, let's have it. Give the dough to camp, Mr. Wolf, and get the letters and map back for us. You've got a reputation for being tricky, but honest. We trust you. Come on, Alec, let's go. Ha <laughs> ha!
4: Well, how about that? Preposterous. No, sir! Take a look $10,000, genuine coin of the realm. That man, Cross, is a fool. Does he imagine I'm to be fooled so easily? What do you mean he left the money? He surrendered too quickly, Archie. Too easily. And that money in the envelope he was carrying all ready to refund. Why? Well, maybe he's got a better sucker. I heard him mention a Ben Sanford. Nonsense. Does he need Kent's forged letters and map to cheat this Ben Sanford? Couldn't he prepare another set?
2: I guess you're right. Something's fishy.
4: In any event, it's no concern of mine, thank heaven. Why not? I'm not committed to Miss Kent in any way. As a favor to you, I undertook to regain her money. I have done that. You may take it back to her and obtain the forged papers in return. But, uh... Silence, Mr. Goodwin. Go to your redhead charmer. Leave me in peace. I intend to spend this afternoon with my new world atlas. (laughs)
2: I left him 3,000 miles up the Amazon with his magnifying glass and drove up to East 69th Street. The Kent house was a broken down little brownstone, and as I went up the stoop, the door opened and Gloria Kent burst out like a skyrocket. Hey, Miss Kent, easy, easy for me. Let go. What's wrong? What's wrong? Wrong.
5: Wrong. Nothing is wrong. Nothing at all.
2: Well, how about seeing your father? You want to see my father?
5: Come inside. Oh,
2: for the love of heaven.
5: Come what... inside, I'll introduce you. He's in a back room. Come right through the living room.
2: What else came through this living room? A hurricane?
5: No, Mr. Goodwin. Something else. There's my father, Mr. Goodwin.
2: What in the devil?
3: He's dead. His throat's
2: cut.
5: This is Archie Goodwin from Nero office. He and his boss refused to help while they could. Maybe he can help you now. Stop it. All
2: I'm good for now is
5: revenge. That's all. Stop Archie. it. Stop it and
2: look at me. When did it happen?
5: I don't know.
2: When did you find it? Just now. Keep looking at me. Who went through this house like a hurricane? You? No. Where did you go after you left the office?
5: The laboratory. What lab? Document search. The place to check the map.
2: How long were you there?
5: Until an hour ago, I was with Mr. Rodman. Keep looking at me. And then. I had lunch. With Rodman. Alone. And then I came home.
2: All right. All right. Now listen to me. I want you to go to Mr. Wolf's uh, house right now. Uh, Have you got cab there? Yes. All right. Take a cab. I've got to stay here, but I'll call Mr. Wolf and tell him you're on the way. Now get. I called Wolf. Told him everything, and he instructed me to advise Inspector Kramer who arrived with the homicide squad. I gave the inspector everything while the squad photographed and measured, print dusted and detected. At 3.30, Kramer took me back to the house on 35th Street for a fight with Wolf.
7: It's a great story, Wolf, great. Kent buys a phony treasure map.
2: Everybody knows it's phony
7: except Kent. But Cross and Halleck try to buy it back and Kent gets himself murdered.
4: Did you find the map and letters in the house, Inspector?
7: No, no, I didn't.
4: Till it was after the map.
7: The phony map?
4: Certainly. Why? Well, if we knew that, we would know why Cross and Halleck so willingly paid back the money and why Kent was murdered. Maybe it's not phony.
7: I'd better see the girl now.
4: Oh, you fancy her for the murder? Well, I'll know after I ask a few questions. Tonight. She's had a shock, Mr. Kramer. She needs rest. Look, Wolf, I want her. Why bother with her when there's so much to be done? Yes, such as? Cross and Halleck, find them. And the mystery man they spoke of, Ben Sanford. These are the men you want now, not this poor, overwrought girl.
7: Yeah. All right. The girl will be here for questioning tonight, though, huh?
2: Tonight, Mr. Kramer. Okay.
7: You'll hear from me later on.
5: <laughs>
2: well, you buffaloed him out of that, okay? Say, uh, why don't you want her questioned? Is she guilty? I don't know. Well, what did she say when she got here?
4: She said nothing. She never arrived. She never what?
2: She never arrived. Well, then why did you tell Kramer she was resting?
4: Would he have believed the truth? She <laughs> must be found. More important, we must learn why Ford's letters. and Ford's map of produces turmoil. Find the killer and you find the map. You said so. I said the reverse, which is an altogether different statement. Archie, I want a photograph of that map. Get it. Oh, sure, sure. Any particular camera you want me to use? You'll find a photograph of 200 Vanderbilt Street. Are you kidding? The lab cannot check the authenticity of old papers without photographing them in ultraviolet light, infrared light, and so on. If this document research lab has examined those papers, they will have photographs. Get them!
2: He got out of his chair and waddled back to the house elevator. It was four o'clock and time for his regular afternoon session with the Orchids. I drove down to the document research laboratory on Vanderbilt and got such a shock that I grabbed the office phone and dialed Wolf at once.
4: Hello Wolf.
2: Mr. Wolf, Archie here.
4: What's the matter? Are you lost?
2: No, sir. No, sir, but I found something. Photographs? No, oh, Mr. Wolfe, I don't think you'll ever see any photographs of the Kent map. I don't think any were taken.
1: Indeed. But
2: uh, guess who runs the document research laboratory. No, 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 don't guess. You probably know. A man named Ben Sanford, and he's sitting right here looking at me.
4: Bring him home with you.
2: Home? But it's four in the afternoon. This is the sacred hour when you pray over your
4: orchids. And Mr. Sanford can join the ceremony. Hey, how about this place? How about it? There must be a million flowers
2: up here. <laughs> no, not flowers. Orchids only. Mr. Wolf has 10,000 plants.
4: <whistles> never saw anything like it.
2: And you never will again, brother.
4: Hey, uh, what, uh, what kind is that on the bench? Oh,
2: that, that's our pride and joy. Odontic gosum harianum. Above them, the van serana, and the pink ones are the silo gianni uh, now, the large object mulching flower pots is Nero Wolf. Mr. Wolf? Ben Sanford.
4: Good afternoon, sir. Hi. I came along to be obliging. I've got nothing to say about anything. How much have you offered Cross and Halleck for their treasure map? No comment. Mr. Sanford, I'm going to make some assumptions. I assume that you are not, in fact, a document expert, but an accessory to the fraud of Halleck and Cross. No comment. To actually prepare fraudulent maps for those swindlers. And then in the guise of an expert, guarantee their authenticity. No comic. But this you must answer. You did guarantee the authenticity of the map and letters can Kent bought. It's on record. All right, I did. Then will you admit they were forged? What are you, a comic? No. You guarantee the value of the Kent map? Yes. As an expert? Yes. Then you've convicted yourself of murder. Murder? What is this? Mr. Kent was murdered, sir, evidently for the map and letters he bought. But of all persons involved, you alone believe in the value of the map. No one else does. Therefore, you alone would have murdered Kent for the map. For the love of... Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Chew it over, brother. Chew it over. Either way, he's got you.
2: Okay.
4: Okay, you... You want me to level? Here it is.
2: Level, Hucky. Okay, boss. Thief-type talk. It means tell the truth. It's like you say.
4: The letters were bought from Rodman. I forged the map and evidence on them. I guarantee them to Kent, the swindle. The letters are without value? Oh, sure, they're old, that's all, from 1851. Just tired family gossip and stuff. Indeed. There we have the problem again, Archie. Mr. Kent is swindled with a map and letters that are known to be worthless. He alone believes the fantasy of the treasure. There isn't any treasure, never was. Kate Cross and Halleck refunded the swindle money so eagerly. It's obvious they want those worthless documents back badly. Someone else wants them so bad, he murders Mr. Kent. Why? I don't know. Ah, gee, we must find the girl. There's a chance he turned to Mr. Rodman for refuge. I'm sorry, you'll have to go there at once. If the girl isn't there, bring Rodman.
2: Hello, Rodman. Remember me? I'm Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office. Oh. Oh, yes, of course. I came to get Gloria Kent. There's been a change in plans. Tell her to come out, please. Gloria? Well, she's not here. Why should she be? Haven't you heard? Heard what? Well, I guess you'd better come down and see Wolf. Uh, Mr. Goodwin, I'm afraid I can't. I'm rather busy. Look, Rodman, maybe you ought to know. Old man Kent was murdered. For... What? Yes. Yes, just after you and Gloria left us. Kent murdered? Hello. But this is awful, Mr. Goodwin. You want to see Mr. Wolf now? Get your hat.
4: Murder. Well, believe me, I never wanted this. I'm going to tell Nero Wolf the whole mess.
2: Every word of it. Okay, then. Come on, let's go. Yes, of course. Just a minute. I'll get my hat in the bedroom. Murdered? I I never dreamed. Come on, Rodman. Come
4: on, Rodman. Come on.
2: What? I didn't hear you. Oh, Rodman. What the... Oh, Rodman. Oh, Rob. Oh, what next?
4: Come on, come on. Is it a Wolf? Archie here.
2: We've had a tough break. Yes? While I was waiting for Rodman at the front door, he went into the bedroom for his hat. The killer was there. How do you know? He cut Rodman's throat.
4: Tell the
2: back window was open. It's a ground floor apartment. He was out and gone before I had a chance. Archie, where were your wits? Let me alone. I've had a man murdered 20 feet from me. You think I'm cheering?
4: Mr. Kramer is here, and he has news for us, Archie. Could not locate Cross and Halleck in their apartment. They had not been home all day. The maid informed him that she was waiting for her weekly salary. Well, so what? She was most angry and peppery, Mister Kramer informed
2: Red pepper? Exactly. Okay. Okay, maybe I know what you mean. I'll try to deliver the goods this time. Goodbye. I drove down to the apartment house on Gramercy Square where Cross and Halleck lived, took the elevator up to the 10th floor, found the right door, and slipped in with a passkey. Come on out. Come out wherever you are. I know you're in here. You fooled Kramer pretending to be the maid, but you didn't fool Wolf. You'd better... Gloria! Cut it out! Cut it out, you idiot! Lay off! Archie, Archie, you dope Archie Goodwin from Nero Wolf's office! Remember me? Give me the gun, Gloria. Give it to me! Oh,
3: that's right.
2: Who, uh... Who did you think I was? Um, Oh, brilliant. So Wolf figured you out, huh? You are a brave girl. They killed your father. You came up here and waited for them. You were going to kill them right back, huh? Oh, that red-headed temper. And you bluffed Kramer into thinking you were the maid. I
5: had to do something. It was the only thing I could think of. To come here and kill
2: him. Well, you're coming home with Archie. And just remember one thing. When Wolf's working for you, don't try to do any thinking. It only gets in Wolf's way. I got Gloria Kent back to the house at 7 o'clock. I parked the car, brought her into the office, and got the shock of my life. There was a convention on. Wolfe was there with Inspector Kramer representing the cops. Cross, Halleck, and Sanford were there representing the crooks. When Kramer saw Gloria, he scowled first at her... And then at Wolf.
7: So it was a slick one after all, Wolf. You didn't have the girl. You had no intention of producing her.
4: Please, Mr. Kramer, that can wait. The other matters is more important. I dine at eight. That leaves me one hour to solve your murders. Murders? More than one? Yes, two. Elmer Rodman. Well, I haven't good one if you... Please, Mr. Kramer, not now. First, Miss Kent. Good evening, Miss Kent. I presume you have met these gentlemen across Halleck and Sanford? I... Yeah, take your purse, please.
5: Well, why?
4: I... No, don't think me as naive as Mr. Goodwin, miss. When you left your home after the murder of your father, you took the map and letters with you. They're in your purse oh, now. That's true. Archie, purse. Thank you. We have here an interesting situation. There exists some old letters and maps, forged and fraudulent. They're worth $10,000 and more to Cross and Halleck, and worth two murders to a killer. Why? There must be something of great value in the letters. Such as? Something which Mr. Sanford could not see, although he worked on the document closely. Yet something which could be made manifest. What is the answer, Miss Kent? You know it?
5: I swear I don't.
4: Secret writing, Archie. Bring the chafing dish from the dining room. Right. Secret writing?
7: I saw nothing when I worked on those letters.
4: Naturally, Mr. Sanford, the writing is invisible. The heat is an agent makes most forms of secret writing visible.
2: The chafing dish, boss.
4: Thank you, Archie. Place it before me and light it. Right. Now I open Miss Kent's purse. From it, you see, I withdraw these ancient letters which he took from her house after her father's murder.
5: That's not true.
4: Archie. That's enough, Gloria. That's enough. From now on, you just listen. We remove the letters from the envelope and toast them gently. Secret ink vintage 1851 will easily succumb to the agency of heat. Careful. Those envelopes will catch fire. Uh, hey, 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 they're caught. Don't be upset, Mr. Cross, Mr. Halleck. The envelopes. Uh, they will burn safely in the dish. We can concentrate on the writing Watch closely. I don't want to be accused of trickery. You fat fool. The envelopes
1: are everything. Put them out, Santa. Don't sit there. Put them out.
4: Why, Mr. Halleck?
1: Well, the stamps, the missionaries are worth a fortune.
4: The missionaries? Of course. You know that. Mr. Cross knows. So does Mr. Sanford, right? Yeah,
2: yeah.
4: Cross Sanford knows, you old fool. Mr. Sanford is not alarmed. Why not, sir? I don't know what you're talking about. Fifty or a hundred thousand dollars is burning before your eyes, Mr. Oh. Sanford. Cross and Halleck are burning their fingers, putting out the flaming envelopes. And you sit there quite indifferently. Why? Well, i have I, you know the value of the missionary stamps on the letters you bought from Rodman. But you know these aren't the real letters. Isn't that it? Not the real letters? I told you I'm tough to crack, Wolf. You didn't fool me with those dummies. Dummies, how do you know? Mr. Cross didn't know. Mr. Haddock didn't know. How did you? Well, I... uh... I'll tell you, sir. Only one man could know I was framing his skin with a decoy... Only one man could know I prepared these dummy letters and pretended to take them from her purse, and that is the killer, a man who murdered her father and stole the map and letters this morning. You sir, Mr. Sanford! Well, I'll be... Mr. Kramer, there's your killer. You'll find the missing map and letters on him or concealed in his home or office. You won't need the evidence anyway. Look at his face. He's self-confessed. Self-confessed like fun? He was booby-trapped. No, Mr. Crane, Not a complicated case, really. Very simple. Elmer Rodman sold a packet of old family letters to the swindlers for a small sum. They used the letters to perpetrate their fraud on Miss Kent's father.
5: And the stamps on the letters were valuable?
4: They were a special Hawaiian issue 1851, Miss Kent. Nicknamed Missionaries, because Missionaries used them for writing home. They had extremely rare stamps worth of $25,000 each.
7: Hey, no wonder they were worth two murders. We found five of them on Sanford.
4: Excellent. Somewhere or other, Rodman discovered the value of the stamps after he sold the letters. In his effort to get them back, he communicated his discovery to the Swindlers, Cross, Halleck, and Sanford.
2: So that's why they refunded the money so
4: fast. Precisely. In an effort to have the sale rescinded. Rodman sought out Kent and tried to convince him of the fraud. Alas, he would not listen to the truth, Mr. Kramer.
7: Oh, I get it. While the others were hassling around, Sanford tried to steal a march and quietly
2: resorted to murder.
4: Ah, there you have it. Uh Aha!
2: Great job, boss, great job. So Gloria not only gets her ten grand back, but uh, five times twenty-five, which is about a 125,000 worth of goodies... Now, figuring your rates by
4: the hour, that means you've done a gratis
2: job worth about... Yes, you um...
4: can. I did not, nor will I demand a large fee for what I have done. I will not go back on my word. But I can beg for a favor. I'll only be too happy... Wait, wait, wait. I ask something that will not be easy to grant. What is it? Will you use your red hair, your pretty face, your admirable figure, and your ample fortune to lure Mr. Goodwin away from this house tonight? I would like to enjoy my dinner in peace. That won't be
2: difficult, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> Let's have an understanding right now, Gloria.
4: Difficult for you or for me? I'll be delighted. <laughs> Indeed. Spend an evening with Mr. Goodwin. There is only one word for you, Miss Kent. And
1: You have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolfe, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's story by Alfred Bester was based on the famous characters created by Rex Stout, produced by Edwin Fadiman, and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Wally Mayer as Archie Goodwin, and Gene Bates, Howard McNair, Jay Novello, Larry Dobkin, Bill Johnstone, and Herb Vigren Music by Joseph Enos. Next week, at this same time, Nero Wolf and Archie will bring you The Case of the Careworn Cuff. Don Stanley speaking. The preceding was transcribed. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. The chimes ring for Dennis Day and Judy Canova tomorrow night on NBC. Also, Judy Canova prepares to go operatic tomorrow because her special guest is Itzio Pimza.
4: This is Chester William Bendix Riley. man called X follows on NBC.
8: The National Broadcasting Company presents... Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight transcribed from Hollywood... another authentic reenactment of a case... from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers starring Joel McRae... as Ranger Jace Pearson. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight Blood Harvest.
9: It is a moonless midnight, September 16th, 1947. A truck without lights is parked in a cultivated field several miles from Fairvale, Texas. In the darkness, two men are perspiring freely as they load bales of seasoned alfalfa onto hmm.
6: the truck. How many more we got to go,
3: Slim? Uh,
6: Fifteen, twenty, that's all. Uh, now we can get it all on here, then. This will be the last load. That suits me fine. As soon as you get off the place, with the better. Come on. Yeah, whoa, take it easy, will you, Slim? How about time out for a smoke? Smoke? You out of your mind, Trent? Oh, we're a half mile from the house. And besides, you said Mullen was asleep. Look, don't give me an argument. All right, all right. But I moved more than 200 bales of this stuff tonight. I'm going to rest for a minute. If you don't like it, load the rest out yourself. Okay, Okay, don't get hot about it. I'm just as tired as you are. Sit on a running board. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mullen's sure going to be surprised when he gets a look at this field tomorrow. Yeah, he sure is what do we get for this stuff? About $30 a ton. Ain't bad. Bound to clear almost 200 bucks a piece. Yeah. Could make more than that running a couple of head of cattle without working up this pig sweat, though. Sure, smart guy. Run cattle and get picked up and sent to the pen. Maybe there ain't as much money in alfalfa, but one thing about it, there ain't no brand marks on the bales either. Nobody can say it ain't yours once you get in the clear with it.
4: Yeah, I guess you got a point. Think Mullins liable to suspicion you when he finds his field strip tomorrow? Oh,
6: not a chance. I'm an old war buddy, ain't I? And he saw me taking a sleeping pill before we turned in tonight. <laughs> At least he thinks he saw me taking it. <laughs> a Good thing he ain't seeing you take this alfalfa or you'd lose your job for sure. After tomorrow, I can afford to lose it. Farm work ain't for men, it's for horses. Hey, come on, we rested long enough. I want to get you away from here. Okay. <sighs> Hey, give me that pitchfork, I'll push those last two bales back and make more room on the tail of the yeah, truck. Here it is. I gotta act real surprise tomorrow when. What's
2: the matter, Slim. Shh.
6: Heard something moving.
2: I don't hear nothing. There it is again. Maybe it's Mullen. Maybe you woke up. Keep quiet, Dr. Who's out in this field? It is him.
9: Shut up. You better answer me. I can see the outline
6: of your truck. Slim, I gotta start up and get out of here. No! <laughs> I woke up. You must know I'm not in the house. So pile in the truck and come with me, quick. I go to jail, lady, you fool. Oh, no, I'll slide around behind the truck. You stay here until he comes up to you. Yeah, but I don't you... I tell
9: you. Why, oh, talk up fast. It's me, Mullen, Harry Trent. Harry Trent, huh? You lost, Trent? What are you doing in my field in the middle of the night with a truck full of my alfalfa? Uh, oh, oh. Save it, Trent. West Slim? wait
6: around to. I didn't run any place, Mullen. You know... Don't move. There's a pitchfork you feel against your ribs. Just march back to the house. What
7: are you going to do to him,
6: Slim? I'm going to lend him my bottle of sleeping pills and see to it that he takes an overdose of them. It's nice, clean, and quiet.
9: That idea would be great, Slim, if I'd hold still for it. But I ain't about
6: to hold still. Look out, Slim. Punch him, Trent. Let go of that fort, Mullen. Now, Mullen, here's something you don't have to hold still for. But you'll hold still this
3: time. You killed him. You killed him. You shot him. Stop that and shut up. We gotta run, Slim.
6: We We gotta gotta do nothing. Get that load out of here and sell it like we planned. Then keep your mouth shut. If you don't, I'll shut it for you.
9: Just before dawn of the next morning, a hound from a neighboring farm came across the body of Robert Mullen. Its baying attracted its master, who called the sheriff. The sheriff requested aid from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson
10: was assigned. There's a the body, Ranger. Blackhound dog over there came across it this morning and set up a holler. Owner heard her, knowed she'd found something and come around it. I
0: see. Which one owns the dog?
10: Fella in the Mackinac, Sam Richardson. His farmer joins this one along the east fence. Who are the other two men? Harry Trent. Farmer on the north is his. And Slim Fireman. Slim worked this place with Mullen. They was buddies in the war or something. You want to talk to them? Yeah, in a minute.
0: Anybody touch that pitchfork?
10: Nope, not even me yet. I figured it must be the murder weapon, blood all over the prongs. Hard to read prints off that handle, though. Yeah, marks on the body show Mullen was jabbed twice. Once would have been plenty. I, uh, sent for the J.P., but I don't think we need an inquest to tag this as murder.
0: no but he'll have to order a medical examination to establish the time of death. Mm.
10: Mm. Mullen felt kind of funny. left leg bent in under him. Well, there's a reason for that. Pull up the pants leg and you'll see. Yeah. That explains it, all right. Artificial leg.
0: He in some kind of an accident?
10: If you can call Okinawa an accident, you get the beach there with the first Marines. Lost a leg and an eye. Left-eyes glass. He could have picked an easier life than farming. Did he have any family? Sister, Ellie, lives over at Holtsville. Guess I'll have to bring her the news. Mm-hmm. You could call the local
0: minister at Holtsville. He can tell her better than you can. And we can drive over and see her later and find out if she knows anything. That's a good idea. I'll talk to these other fellows now. Okay. They uh, don't seem to know much, though. They may know when Mullen was last seen alive...
10: It's not often a man gets pitchforked to death out in his own fields. Yeah. That could work. Fellas, uh, this here's Ranger Jace Pearson. Ranger, this is Sam Richardson. Howdy. Hello. Harry Trent. Hello. Slim Fireman. Glad to know you.
0: Richardson, the sheriff tells me your dog found the body.
10: That's right.
6: Oh, must have been about uh, 4 a.m. I was just getting out of bed when I heard her, so I come a running.
0: You always run out and investigate when you hear one of your hounds baying?
6: Nope, but that black hound of mine's a good one. And I ain't never heard a dog's hound off like she did. I see.
0: When did you see Mullen last alive?
6: Yesterday morning. Passed each other along the
10: fence and said howdy. How about you, Mr. Trent? Uh, I hadn't seen him for a couple of days. Reckon Slim here saw him last then. How about it?
6: Well, sure, reckon I did. Last night we ate and then I turned in early.
10: Hmm.
0: Then this happened during the night.
6: You must have as far as I know Why would Mullen
0: come out to this field at night?
6: I don't know. I didn't even know he'd left the house until Richardson here come pounding on the door and woke me up this morning after he found the body. You
0: live right on the place, Slim? Uh huh How come you didn't hear Richardson's dog? Well,
6: I'm sleeping kind of heavy. I took a sleeping pill last night. Must have knocked me out good. Had a rough day yesterday. What do you mean, rough? Well, all the extra chores, loading the alfalfa from this field onto the truck.
0: I was wondering how come there were so few bales from
6: such a big cutting. Well, Mullen had a buyer for most of it, I reckon. Anyhow, he carted it off. Yeah, I see the tire tracks.
10: Any idea who he sold it to?
6: He didn't say.
10: Think somebody paid him for the stuff, then came back to rob him of the money, Jace? Could be, Sheriff.
0: Except that Mullen made the robin mighty convenient by coming out into this field at night. When we learn why he came out here, we'll be learning a lot. <laughs> The Justice of the Peace showed up and took charge of the body. The sheriff made his call to the minister at Holtzville so he could break the news to Mullen's sister. He gave her a couple of hours to get a grip and then drove over to see her.
3: <laughs>
5: he was he was only here last Sunday. Spending the day with playing with a baby and arguing with Dan. Who's Dan? My husband.
0: What were they arguing about?
5: What? I didn't mean a real argument. Politics. Cost of a living. You know how men get talking. <laughs> and, and now he's dead.
10: Take it easy,
0: Ellie. <laughs> That's your brother's picture over the fireplace, isn't it?
5: Yes. In his uniform. Just before he went overseas in the war.
0: Before he was hurt. Anybody you know of who might gain anything by having your brother
10: out of the way?
5: No. He never made any enemies.
10: Guess it was robbery like we figured before, Jace. No money on him and none in the house that we could find. Might have had time to bank the crop money yesterday. We can check that with the bank. Might as well go, then. Ellie, you shouldn't be here alone at a time like this.
5: The, the minister's coming back later.
10: Why don't you call Dan and have him come home from work?
5: He's away for a few days on a business trip.
10: Oh, away on a business trip, huh? Who's he working for?
5: He's buying and selling for Hatton Speed and Grain Company. Don't worry about me. I'll be all right.
10: If there's anything I can do, just holler. Bye, Ellie. Goodbye, ma'am.
5: Goodbye. You, you got to find out who killed my brother. You can't let him get away with it.
0: We'll try not to, ma'am.
10: I never thought how her husband's job might fit into this.
0: Buying and selling feed and grain, huh?
10: Mullins sold that alfalfa. most likely man he'd sell it to would be his own brother-in-law.
0: It's something we're going to check on. Hop in. We'll put out a radio pickup for him? No, we'll drive over to the Hatton Feed and Grain. They'll know where he is, and we'll pick him up ourselves. Hatton's Feed and Grain Company told us the area that Mullen's brother-in-law, Dan, was working. We caught up to him next morning making a selling stop at a dairy farm.
10: That must be Dan's car there by the barn. Patent company emblem on it. Yeah, let's find him. There he is. Other end of the barn, leading on a stall. Must be the owner he's talking to.
0: Call him down here.
10: We don't have to. He sees us coming this way now.
0: Watch out for any sudden moves, just in case.
10: Uh, Outy, Sheriff. You looking for me? Ranger and I'd like a word with you.
0: Uh, reckon it's about Ellie's brother. You heard about it, huh? Got on my car radio this morning. I called Ellie a little while ago. She told me you'd been to see her. A couple of stops I just got to make around here, and then I'm heading for home. When did you see Mullen last? Two days ago when I started out on this trip. You stopped by his place? That's right. Social call or business? Business. Made a bid on his alfalfa. We just about finished sweating ready to be hauled for storage. How'd you pay him for it, by cash or company check? I didn't pay him for it, Ranger. He said it wasn't for sale. You better be sure of that, Dan. What do you mean? He means that that alfalfa was sold and moved just before Mullen was killed, the same day you stopped there. Whoever told you that's a
10: lie. It's no lie, Dan. We saw it with our own eyes. Everything was hauled from there except maybe a dozen bales. I don't care what you saw. I know that alfalfa wasn't for sale to me or anybody
0: else. What makes you so sure of that? I'll tell you what makes me so sure, and you can check it with the bank.
6: Bob told me he'd made arrangements for a bank loan to buy 20 head of dairy cattle. That's why I'm sure He was getting them in next month. And he needed that alfalfa for winter forage. He couldn't have sold it. Not to anybody.
8: You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, Blood Harvest, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers.
0: bank verified the loan for buying the dairy herd. Unless he'd changed his mind suddenly, Mullen wouldn't have sold the feed he'd been needing for his own stock. The sheriff and I headed back for Mullen's farm.
3: Don't
0: see Slim around any place. Maybe into the funeral home. Let's take a look at the barn.
10: We've looked at the barn before, Jace. No way we could miss a couple hundred bales alfalfa. No, but we might have missed something we weren't looking for the last time. Just look up. You see the loft is almost empty. He didn't need much forage with just one horse to feed. No, I'm not looking for forage.
0: Here's what I'm interested in. It's just a
10: bunch of scrap lumber.
0: And a keg of nails. Just about what he'd need to build stalls for that dairy herd. Now, Mullen was too far ahead with his plans to change his mind, if you ask me.
10: Sure looks that way.
0: Where'd Mullen keep his hay truck? And vehicle shed out back? Yeah. Come on. What do you want to see, Jace? The truck that Slim said he and Mullen loaded that alfalfa on.
10: Looks like the shed is locked.
0: Oh uh, no, it isn't. It's a wooden peg stuck through the lock ratchet. We can pull it.
10: I'll help you roll it back. Yeah. There's the truck.
0: This the only truck he's got? Yep. If this truck was used to haul alfalfa bales, they must have been tighter than any bales I've ever seen. Look at that truck bed. Clean as a whistle. Not a straw on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. This isn't the truck that was loaded out in that field. You can't be sure of that just because the bed is clean. No, but I can be sure by the tires. Look at them. Treads worn down almost smooth. The tire marks we saw out in the field were well marked. Plenty of tread.
10: Hey, that's right. They were.
0: Come on. Take Mullins' horse from the barn, throw a saddle on it. I'll get charcoal out of my trailer and we'll take a little ride. Where to? Out to the fields first, where I can make a plastic cast of that tire tread. Truck was loaded heavy. impression was deep enough to hold. Why can't we drive out? I want to cut across the neighboring farms, too, and see if we can find any matching treads in other fields. Can see the ground better as we move on horseback.
10: It's as easy to drive around to the farms and check the tires on the trucks like we did here. Yeah, but
0: I don't want to be seen doing that. We scare the man we're after, he might run before we get to him.
10: Okay, I'll have this nag ready in a minute. If you're right, Jace, Slim Ferryman has been lying about moving the alfalfa. Easy, boy.
0: We'll find out. If he was lying, we'll explain why Mullen was out to that field at night. Because it'll mean that the crop was being stolen at night. And he was killed when he saw who was stealing it.
10: How long does it take that cast to dry, Jase?
0: Yeah, be ready in a minute.
10: Well, that would be a lot of truck tires with that same tread.
0: Sure, but this piece I'm making a cast of has a cut mark across part of the tread.
10: Oh, I see.
0: Find that same mark again someplace else. We can make another cast and use for evidence. Here, this is dry now. How's that, Sheriff?
10: Good, clear impression, Jace. Come on. Let's ride.
0: Check the neighboring farms. Sam Richardson's place was clear, and so were the two others. And we cut through the north fence to Mullum's farm and into the acreage
10: owned by Harry Trent. Looks like Trent moved his alfalfa crop too, Jay. His fields are clear.
0: Yeah. Where's the farmhouse? Other side of that patch of trees. Good. Well, that'll keep us covered. Keep your eyes on the ground. Right.
10: Hey, hold it. Ooh. Hold it. What is it? Nothing. Tractor marks there. Not what we're looking for. Oh,
0: well, let's keep going.
10: A tip. Yeah. There's quite a bit of straw on the ground
0: over to the right, Sheriff. Let's move that way. Hey yeah, Sharky.
10: Yeah. Probably Tread had his bail stacked there.
0: Huh. He sure did. That's what we're looking for.
4: Ooh. Ooh, Charlie. Oh,
0: easy go.
10: Kinda of dim, Jace, but they're the same tread, all right. Yeah. Looks like the same cut mark
0: in the tread. I'm going to make another cast. Then after dark, we can slip in and take a look at Trent's barn and his truck. We slipped back that night. Trent's truck tires were the ones we were looking for. Heavy duty. We went from the vehicle shed
10: to the barn. Pretty dark night, Jase. Hardly seeing here either.
0: See enough to find what I want.
10: Ladder to the left.
0: Here it is. All right, I'm gonna climb up. Give me your flashlight. Okay,
10: Anything up there?
0: Just a few bales. I reckon Trent sold most of his alfalfa crop, too.
10: Even if he had Mullen's crop here, no way we could prove it.
0: That's where you're wrong, Sheriff. If Trent had it, we're gonna prove it. Cleared the farm without being spotted. Got to my car and drove back to town. Robert Mullen's wake had just ended at the funeral home as we pulled up at the sheriff's office.
10: We didn't have to be so careful out at Trent's place, Jase. There he is going toward his car. Must have come in to pay his respect.
0: Ah, he just came out of the door of that cafe. Oh, look who's in there at the counter.
10: Slim Ferryman.
0: Yeah, we could use some coffee. Come on.
5: Sheriff
9: and Ranger. Howdy, May. How's the coffee? Try stirring it, and it'll fling the spoon right back at
10: you. <laughs> <laughs> that
3: sounds strong
10: enough. Poor a couple. Yeah, all right. Mind
0: if we sit with you, Slim?
6: Help yourself. Yeah. You, uh, got a line on who killed Mullen yet?
0: No. Too bad Mullen never mentioned the name of the man he was selling that alfalfa to. No, too bad. You think he might have mentioned it to one of the neighbors, Sam Richardson, maybe, or Harry Trent? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I guess it isn't likely. man who doesn't tell his plans to an old buddy living right in the same house with him, I guess he wouldn't tell anybody.
5: Well, here's
9: your java, Sheriff. Stranger. Ranger.
0: You and Mullen go all through the war together? No, just part of it. Mm-hmm. Where'd you meet?
6: South Pacific? Uh, no, here in the States. I... Uh, I was a ward man at the general hospital. Oh, then you weren't in action together. No. I see. I I thought you were real close friends. We were. Who says we weren't? Well, take it
0: easy. Nobody said so. I just meant you you weren't as close as buddies are when they're under fire
6: together. We were plenty close, and don't let nobody tell you different. Mullen was the best friend I ever had, see? Sure. When you get the guy who killed him, I'd, I'd like to be there to watch when they strap the rat in the electric chair.
0: I know just how you feel. I'll do my best to arrange that
6: for you. Um, here's your money, May.
3: Sure. Thanks,
6: Slim. Uh, I'm going back to the farm and get some sleep if I can. Hardly had any since this happened. It's too bad.
0: Maybe you ought to take one of your sleeping pills. Uh, yeah, yeah.
10: Maybe I will. Good night. Good night, Sheriff. Good night, Slim. You sure rattled his teeth, Jace. He was pretty frank about his service record, though.
0: Yeah, only because he knew I could check it if he lied. Let's skip this coffee. I want to see Ellie and her husband, Dan. Ellie and Dan were keeping a lonesome night vigil beside the body of Robert Mullen. We beckoned Dan outside. What is it? I won't leave Ellie alone too long. I'm afraid you'll have to leave her alone for a while if you want to help us spring the trap on the man who killed your brother-in-law. You know who did it? I think so. I need your help to prove it. You've got help her. What do you want? How much acreage did Mullen have in alfalfa? It looked like seven or eight acres. Eight's right. You know how much is it yield? About two ton to an acre, 16 ton all told. That's a good yield for this year. He took good care of his land. Why? I'll tell you in a minute. Sheriff, we saw Trent's alfalfa acreage. I'd say he'd cut about six acres. About then? You don't have to say about. Six acres is right. How do you know? I bought Trent's alfalfa crop from my company. Good. How much? Almost twelve ton. Same acre yield as Bob Mullins. Twelve tons. Are you sure that's all?
4: Of course I'm
0: sure. The feed and grain companies keep a record of everybody they purchase from. Sure. And the lots be identified. I mean, are they tagged or stored in such a way you could tell who they were brought from?
10: Yeah, they are. What are you aiming at, Jase?
0: Final proof to break Trent down. Dan, I want you to come with me. We'll get one of the bales Trent sold to your company, and then we're going to wake up every other feed and grain buyer in the county to see if he sold any more than 12 tons. We got what we were after. The day after Mullen was killed, Trent had sold an additional 15 tons to another company almost 50 miles away. We got a sample bale and brought it back to the sheriff's office. Hey, put it down here, Dan.
3: Yeah.
10: So Trent did sell more of it, huh?
0: Fifteen tons more.
10: Don't see how you can tell this bale from the other one.
0: You can when you weigh them. Trent's bales average 110 pounds to the bale on his own stuff. The bales in this second batch are tighter packed, about 140 pounds to the bale. Hey, wait a minute, Ranger. There's something else different, too. I just noticed. Look at the wire on the bales. Mm, Looks the same to me. Maybe, but you're not as used to seeing baling wire as I am. Wire on the bales Trent sold me is 16-gauge. Wire on this other bale is 14-gauge. Bob Mullen always used 14-gauge. Come on, Sheriff. Let's get Trent and make him talk. Once he opens up, we'll see where Slim Ferriman fits.
10: Chase, I see the picture clear as you do now, but how are we going to prove that this second batch of alfalfa was stolen from Mullen's place?
0: We don't have to prove it. Trent's the one who has to do the proven. We do things big in Texas, but he's the first man who ever sold 27 tons of alfalfa from six acres. Let's go. It was still dark when we turned in the road to Trent's farmhouse, and the light went on inside as we came to a stop. Trent came to the door. Oh!
4: Oh, it's you, fellas, I heard a car.
0: You thought it was somebody else? No, 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 I didn't know who it was. Oh, I thought you might be expecting Slim Fairman. Uh,
7: No, no, why would Slim come here?
0: Take a few lessons in farming, maybe, so you could show him how to raise 27 tons of alfalfa on six acres.
10: You must have raised that much, Trent, because you sold that much. The 15 tons of it belonged
0: to Mullen. He baled heavier and used 14-gauge wire while you used 16-gauge.
10: I bought Mullen's crop. Why would he sell it to you instead of his brother-in-law, Dan? I mean, I I, I hauled it for him. He thought the price would be better someplace else.
0: Not enough to haul it 50 miles. And besides, you made that sale yesterday, after Mullen was killed.
8: I had to do it. I was in a trap. If I told you about it, Slim would have
0: killed me. Did he kill Mullen? Were you an eyewitness? Yeah,
8: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I saw him do it. I never touched Mullen. Where's Slim now? I... I thought you were him when you drove up. He's coming here this morning. I got to check for Mullins' alfalfa and Slim was going to pick it up and take it someplace for cash. And...
0: There's a car coming now, Jase. Handcuffed Trent to the door knob of that closet. Quick, right.
3: I didn't kill Quiet him. up.
0: Come on, Sheriff. Slim won't stop. He'll see my car as he makes the turn for the house.
10: He saw it. He's turning around. Get his tires. That stopped him.
0: He's running for it, Jase. Move off to that side. The car's shielding him. Right. Stop running, Slim. You can't beat a bullet. He ducked into the barn, Chase. Circle in from the start and keep the door covered. I'm going in after him. The gray of dawn was washing across the sky, but the barn was in deep shadow. I slipped in along the side wall and moved slowly toward the stalls. I didn't see what came at me. I just sensed it hurtling through the air. And I threw myself to the side, hit the ground, and
2: fired. You
3: getting
10: chased? You all right?
0: Yeah. He threw that sickle at me from the stall. I didn't see him. Don't even know how I hit him. I just felt it coming and fired.
10: Mighty good aim. He's dead.
0: So is Bob Mullen. Let's get Trent and take him in.
9: For his complicity in the robbery and murder of Robert Mullen, Harry Trent was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for 50 years.
8: And here again is the star of our show, Joel McCrae, with another interesting story about the Texas Rangers.
0: The equipment of a Texas Ranger includes a pair of six guns, a rifle, a shotgun, and other weapons not to mention his horse, horse trailer, automobile, and scientific crime detection apparatus. However, there's been a fictional addition to the equipment as the result of motion pictures, an addition that has the rangers scratching their heads ruefully. It came to the attention of one ranger recently as he passed two small boys on the street. The small fry turned to stare at him. The ranger got quite a shock when he heard one of them say, Oh, shucks. He ain't a real Texas ranger. He ain't got a guitar. Well, such is the influence of modern fiction. But fortunately, the criminals know the truth. When they see a real Texas Ranger, they don't look for a guitar. They look for the quickest means of transportation. They want distance, not music. Good night, folks. See you next week.
8: Next week, Joel McRae and another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of... The Texas Rangers. is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Luke Krugman, Herb Bygren, Tom Cully, Wilms Herbert, Betty Moran, and Gigi Pearson. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacey Keach. Al Gibney, speaking.
9: chimes mean good times on NBC. Here's news of two outstanding musical events. This Saturday, January 27th, Arturo Toscanini begins the first of a new series with the NBC Symphony. And starting Monday, January 29th, the Boston Pops Orchestra will be heard in a new Monday evening concert series. They call infantile paralysis the visible crippler. It strikes without mercy any place, anywhere. You can fight him with your dimes and dollars, though. Send them today to your local March of Dimes headquarters. Join the 1951 March of Dimes. The member Arturo Toscanini once again conducts the symphony next Saturday on NBC.
0: That's Case Closed for this week. There's more from Nero Wolf, Tales of the Texas Rangers, this podcast, all of the other Relic Radio podcasts, and a shoutcast stream with even more old-time radio, all at relicradio.com. If you'd like to help support this and all of that, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of those links. My thanks to all who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back next
3: Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed.